you're looking for a title to this morning's message, it's called From Encounter to Engagement. From Encounter to Engagement. I definitely feel like we encountered the Lord this morning. And so how do we cement that encounter? How do we go from just an encounter to being engaged, to persevering with him, to placing all of our hope in him, to enduring with him, to being married to him? I know that is strong language, but I like to listen to men and women of God who are married to the Lord. There's a certain uh, sharpness about their voice and the message that they carry because they've been in that intimate place with the Lord and know him well. And I, th- I just think about my own experience with, with Brittany. We just celebrated seven years last Monday. Praise the Lord. Right? She's not here today. She's at home watching one of our little ones. He's sick, but... um. Thank you, Brittany. Wouldn't be up here without here without her. And I also wouldn't be up here without my first encounter with the Lord Jesus. And praise be to God that he has given me opportunity after opportunity to encounter him. And he's been showing me it's not, I'm not just a God of encounter, but I'm a God of engagement. So I'm ready to graduate into deeper waters. I'm ready to graduate from just experiencing once on a Sunday and limping along in the week and coming back in Sunday morning, I'm just hanging on by a thread to, I was here last Sunday, now I'm up here and God's here again and he's taking me further and further and further. That is our portion. That's what we're singing about tonight. Fear has been keeping us low. If you can put up the first slide for me, please. When I talk about going from encounter to encounter, fear is keeping us down here. Fear is keeping us below that black line. All right, and so when I developed this chart, I just looked at my own life and where the Lord has brought me from to, can you put up the second slide, please? To here. To improvement, to maturity, to growth. So go back to the first slide for me. Oftentimes we have an encounter with the Lord, whether this be your initial salvation experience or, or something like this morning, and you're, you're already a believer. And we ride that high, and then it fades off, and we kind of plateau, and we're doing okay, and then life circumstances happen. Or we no longer practice our, uh, our healthy habits of holiness, if you will, of prayer and discipleship, and, or being submitted to authority and, and reading the word and studying. And all of a sudden, that decline turns into a, a black diamond slope, and we just crater. And the devil wants to keep us down there, and we're, we're in need of a rescuing. We're in need of another encounter in order to take us back up to where we should have been. And the Lord, he is faithful to meet us there and to raise us up out of that rut. But we don't have to be in that place. I just got back from a revival conference uh, in western Kentucky, in Madisonville, Kentucky, be, ca- be careful when you say never is with the Lord. Except this, pla- this time it took place in my former career. I didn't think this was spiritual. So as many of you know, I laid down my, my career in commercial real estate, came on staff here at our father's house in the summer. But I've underwritten, looked at the value of hundreds, if not thousands of properties in all across the Midwest. If you're from a small town somewhere around here, chances are I've heard of it. I've looked at a property in it. Bizarre. I'm always asking people, where are you from? Just because I'm like, yeah, maybe I sold a property there. Anyway, I only made this vow about this one city, Madisonville, Kentucky. 
I will never find myself in that place. <laughs> and so we're down there in, in Madisonville for this conference, and I'm in front of this property, and my mind gets joggled like, that, that's the Wings Etc. restaurant that we looked at in 2018. Like, what in the world? And so never say, I'll never be in this place with the Lord, because he has a sense of humor. And not only that, we have a connection down there to Crossfire Church in Madisonville, and they meet in this mall, and this mall used to be dead. It had JCPenney and a few other big national retailer anchors, and it was, it was, they were long since gone. It was vacant. It was dying. But the Lord, he's doing something in that place. This church meets in that theater, and we had the opportunity to uh, tour it, and I felt the presence of the Lord all over it. It was awesome. So again, what I thought was dead and my natural man is alive in Christ, and he is redeeming it, and the Lord's doing something special in western Kentucky and the southeast and the Midwest, and I'm excited. I'm excited for what the Lord is doing in this nation. We have a small part to play in it here at our Father's house. So let me explain this graph a little bit to you. Because when I say encounter, I, I don't want to take away from some of the supernatural encounters that we, that we read about in the Bible as well. Because the Lord, he certainly can meet us supernaturally, right? But oftentimes it's much more mundane. Not all of us are going to have that burning bush experience that Moses had. Okay, so whether it be a dream, a visitation, a powerful supernatural move of the Lord, or something a little bit more mundane, whether it's Sunday morning or in your daily prayer and devotionals, we have to have eyes and ears that are open to the Lord. And look at Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He is fleeing from Jezebel. He's at Mount Oreb, and he's waiting on the Lord. And, the, and it says that there's a strong wind, and the Lord is not in it. And it's not just any wind, like 50-mile-per-hour gusts. Like, oh, what was that? That was bizarre. No, rocks were breaking off the mountainside. And th that would be a terrifying experience, to have a wind that strong. Okay, but the Lord wasn't in it. And then the Lord sends an earthquake. Literally, his feet are shaking beneath him. The, old, the whole earth is shaking. And the Lord wasn't in it either. And then the Lord sends fire. You wasn't in the fire either. If you're Elijah at this point, you've got to be thinking, what's next? Like, are the heavens about to open up with a waterfall of brimstone and fire and wind and all the things that I just saw? Like, Lord, where, where are you? But what's it say? It says it's, he's in the sound of a gentle blowing. Some translations say a still soft whisper. So we have to have our eyes and ears open to the supernatural as well as something that may feel mundane. It's the humility of God on display, and we have to be humble to receive, whether he en encounter us supernaturally or naturally. I'm reminded of a time um, Brittany and I were arguing. We're not perfect. Don't, e right, don't even pretend to be. And I don't even remember what we were arguing about. So clearly it was something insignificant. But worse yet, it was in front of the children. And I look over at Elijah, our little four-year-old, and he didn't even say anything, but I could just see it in his eyes. He said, this isn't right. With his eyes, that's, that's what the Spirit communicated to me. And so I had to stop what I was doing, repent to my children, repent to my wife for my tone, for my volume, for how I was acting, behaving. The Lord can move through encounters just like that, and we have to be humble enough to receive from a four-year-old or if the Lord were to break out and appear and there's a burning bush right next to us, he can speak all the same. 
So going from this first graph, keep it up, to the second graph might take a while. Okay, it might look like the timeline in between encounters shrinking. But again, this is where we have to be faithful to keep plowing, to keep studying, keep praying, keep asking for the gifts, keep asking for the Lord to manifest through you. Don't give up. Whatever you do, don't give up. And this is where we need grace to grow. All right? If, if you set a goal for, I know it was January 1, just two weeks ago. A lot of us sent, you know, New Year's resolutions and have goals for ourselves. And if your goal was to pray every day for the whole year, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But don't beat yourself up if you've missed twice and all of a sudden I'm, I'm not going to pray. Because if you went from once a week to now you only missed twice, praise the Lord for the goal that set the standard that got you there. Keep, keep plowing. Keep being faithful. And that timeline's going to condense. And eventually you're going to, can you put the, the second graph for me? You're going to encounter the Lord and instead of slipping into self-contempt and condemnation, this is going to be the chart of your life, your spiritual health. And notice, this, this chart makes room for life circumstances. I labeled the y-axis spiritual health on purpose. It's not emotional health. It's not how much money is in your bank account. It's not whether or not our family members are in good health or not. It's our walk with Christ. It is not, our walk with Christ is not tied to these things. My Bible says that the sons and daughters of God are those who are led by the Spirit of God. Not those who have it all together. Not those who had a good week at work. And look at the trend line. You can go to the third slide. Those who let life circumstances swallow us up, there's hardly any growth. It's flat. That was me for such a long time. And God was faithful to keep showing up, to keep rescuing me. Eventually, I caught it. I realized, Lord, I have your power. I have your grace every day of my life. So that, next slide. Look at this trend line. I can, there's still encounter within the engagement period. This is a life engaged, okay? You can have a burning bush and a second one and a third one. You can have the Lord in the morning and in the afternoon. You can have him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Revival looks like every single day. It doesn't just look like one time a week. This is what the Lord is after in our life. And so fear wants us to live life that's graph one. God's breaking off chains this morning and saying, live like graph two. It's here. It's available. I'm pleading with you this morning. That our life, our initial salvation, God paid for so much more than for us to live in that roller coaster. And he gets it. He understands. Like I said, there is room for life experiences. Death, sickness, illness, job loss, those are very real. I understand it. God understands. He is always there and he always cared, but he will allow those circumstances to happen if it means having more of your heart and drawing you more near. We have to have an eternal perspective and not living in the in the short timeline of the up and down and woe is me, God, why am I down here? Maybe he's trying to teach us a lesson. 
So what am I going to do with that encounter in Kentucky? Is it going to be a, a launching moment, a catapulting experience like this graph is supposed to be? Or am I going to go let it go to waste and need another Sunday morning or conference or something for God to come in and rescue me from, from the roller coaster of life? Like the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4, that was a divine appointment. I knew I was supposed to preach when that came forward two different times. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, please give me a sign. You're moving so powerfully. And there was a couple other verses too. Jill stole one. It's great. <laughs> but what if we only get one encounter like she did? Is the hem of his garment enough for us to hang on to? I think it's an important question to consider. Will I allow one encounter with the Lord to fundamentally transform the rest of my life? If you'll turn with me to Matthew 13, verse 20. It's the parable of the sower explained. Matthew 13, verse 20. The one on whom the seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23. And the one on whom the seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Those first two soils, that's the, that's the soil of wasted encounter. But the soil of engagements, verse 23. So we have to keep in mind that bearing fruit takes time. I'm not aware of any fruit or plant or vegetation that you plant it one day and the next day it immediately uh, brings forth fruit, right? So we have to be willing to keep, to allow the Lord to, to water, to grow us, to give us the, the light and the energy and the everything that we need in order to grow. Another part about being fruitful, it's not just a one and done, right? I got a black thumb, I can't grow anything. But even if I did, it probably wouldn't come back the next year. <laughs> but the thing about being fruitful is it's year after year after year. And those trees, those plants grow. In year one, it might only yield one or two in the next, or 30. Keep in line with the scripture. Come on, Mitch. Next year is 60. Next year, 100-fold. So as we're faithful, the Lord's going to grant us increase in what we are, in what we are reaping. All right, now turn with me to John, John chapter 10. I'm going to read 1 through 15. Just break down some of these verses. John chapter 10. This is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, 
he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. How do you know if you know God? You know his voice. Not only do you not just know his voice, but you refuse to follow others. Do you know how <clears throat> obstinate and stubborn and obdurate sheep can be? They're very stubborn animals. So typically negative characteristics, but my exhortation to us is this morning is when you have a word from the Lord, we need to stick our, our flags in it and say, I'm not moving. Like a stubborn sheep, okay? I'm not going anywhere. This is, this is the word of the Lord, and you're not moving me from it, not the wisdom of man, not the spirit of this age, but this is, this is where I'm at. Let's keep reading. Verse 6, the figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Verse 7, so Jesus said, again, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus in this passage in verse 9 identifies as the door. Don't go around him. Later on in John, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the, to the Father but by me. Sounds pretty exclusive. Don't go around him. And he's given us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, which will guide us into all truth, that will guide us in and out of pasture. Verse 10, Jesus gave us life, that we may have it abundantly. I seem to remember a certain word prophesied over this house in 2023, that of abundance. I want the abundant life of the Lord. And what is it that the devil is trying to steal and kill and destroy? That very life, that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. He wants to steal those things and rob you of your life in God. But we're not going to let him have it. See, the devil wants, him, wants us, if you go back one slide, he wants us down here at the bottom, at the bottom of the graph. And he'll do anything. He'll attack, he'll torment, he'll afflict, he'll steal, he'll kill, kill, goodness, he'll destroy. But you know what? The destroyer, or the destroyer gets destroyed by the Lord Jesus himself. If we just kept reading, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, the devil thought he had Jesus on the cross. 
Jesus pulled a fast one on him. He said, no, in my death, I defeated you. And I defeated death and sin forever. Here in verse 11, quick time out from the teaching. Paul's been going over the, the five-fold ministry. And this is so good. I learned this at the conference. This is Todd Hill. Everyone, hold up your hand for me. Okay? Got your five fingers, five-fold ministry. The thumb are the apostles. They can, it's the only member on your hand, the only finger on your hand that can touch all the other four. Right? So they can serve the other four. They're also the lowest in terms of height. They're foundational. All right? The prophets, index finger, pointing you in the right direction. Evangelists, middle finger, the finger that extends the furthest out from you, going and getting the lost sheep. All right? The ring finger, the shepherds, preparing the bride for her wedding day. Pinky finger, all right? The smallest one, the one that can clean out your ears so you can hear the voice of the Lord. All right? But here... That, that's not me, Todd Hill. Give him all the credit. All right? It was so wonderful. But it took me just one time to learn. I'm like, man, that was awesome. All right, and one other point. So here Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. This is the only of the five ministries that he explicitly identifies himself. Now, we know that he is all the five. Hebrews says that he's the apostle of our confession. All right, he was the fulfillment of many prophecies, and he himself was prophetic. All right, we know he's our model evangelist, and that obviously right here he says he's a shepherd. And he permits others to call him teacher. And obviously, we have many, many great teachings from him. I'm preaching from, from one right now. So we know he's all five. But the shepherd's the only one that he explicitly identifies as. Why? Because each of the five are supposed to be pointing us to him, using the rod and the staff in order to further us. Now, it may look different. The prophets might, the prophets might have to come over here and say, hey, hey, you're, you're starting to wander a little bit. He's over there. Go that way. The evangelist might have to go back there say, wow, you're super lost. That's all right. All right. He's over here. Okay. But we need all five. All right. All right. Time back in. Paul needed five weeks. I needed five minutes. So here we go. Back to the text before I get in more trouble. Jesus instructs us in many parables, and it's easy to get lost in the parabolic, the, the, the metaphoric language. I just want to take some time and read verse 14 again. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Verse 15, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The sheep, that's you and me. Jesus just told us, I died for you. Only he could do it. Only him. So if we ever need a big slice <clears throat> excuse me, of humble pie, just dwell on this passage and dwell on the fact that the Lord died for you. Even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, how well are we supposed to know? How well does Jesus know you as well as he knows the Father? And how well are we supposed to know him as well as the Father knows Jesus? We're invited into that community, into that communion, the creator of everything. He wants to know you. Jesus said that this is eternal life, that they, me and you, would know the Father. And it's going to take an eternity to get to know God. 
I'm telling you right now, the opportunity to go from just an encounter with God to being engaged to him is ever before us. The sheep that know his voice are the ones that are closest to him. It's a lot easier to hear someone's voice when we're close. What happens if we stray too far and all of a sudden he calls out but there's no longer that fierceness in his voice or it's more dull to us because we've strayed, we've gone far away. We've hardened our hearts to the sound of his voice and we feel lost. And it wasn't a matter of he didn't, he quit calling. It was we stopped listening. And then he has to pull us out of the rut again and save us, have another encounter with him. And had we just stayed near the shepherd, all would be well. Psalm 23 says, your goodness and loving kindness have followed me all of my days, have been tracking me down all of my days. That's just straight scripture for, I'm a God of engagement. I've been tracking you down all of my days. I've always been here. Jesus didn't just propose to us and then quit calling. No, he left the Holy Spirit as a promise ring, as an engagement ring. I'm coming back and that he is always with us. So whether we die or Jesus comes back before and we see the book of Revelation play out, we're going to be very glad that we're betrothed to the bridegroom king. So I'm going to make four points here about how, what are some practical ways to turn encounter into engagement. And then I'll land the plane. So number one, make it personal. Make it personal. If you can put that up, please. Here's the scripture that Jill stole. Dwell on it. Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Do you have an encounter with the Lord? Pray about it. Ask the Lord to send dreams about it. Journal about it. Write about it. Paint about it. Get creative, whatever you need to do in order to get it deep down in here so that it doesn't level off, but takes, it's intended to take you to the next level. We need to do it, and above all, talk about it. Share it with others. The kingdom of God advanced in the book of Acts, not just because of the preaching of the word by Peter and Paul and others, but after the church had been scattered because of a great persecution, it says that they preached the gospel and some translations of that word preached are the casual and unconstrained conversation of the gospel. So that doesn't sound like a microphone or a megaphone or whatever. It sounds like going to the marketplace and buying food and talking to the vendor about the Lord Jesus. Looks like going to the bank and talking about the Lord Jesus and what you've seen and what you've heard and what you've encountered with him. See, church culture has overcomplicated evangelism not just for missionaries or it's not just for me when I go to Guatemala in seven eight months church culture says you need a soapbox and a megaphone but kingdom culture says it doesn't have to be fancy doesn't even have to be dramatic it doesn't even have to be confrontational it often is definitely can be I'm just trying to break down some strongholds in our lives when we're when we're presented with an opportunity to share the gospel that 
it's oftentimes a lot easier than we what we might think. Do you know people changing how they talk when you're around is a good thing? I fear many of us stop there because it can be an opportunity to share. I fear that because I'm guilty of it. Just being raw, just being vulnerable, even Friday. I'm still in partnership with, with my old bosses. I don't have to see them once a month. I go up there and I'm talking with one of the guys at the office and um, he, he said, you know, I quit cursing now. He was kind of joking, but he just quit cursing around me. And right there, I could have said something. I'm like, oh, that's curious. You know, or, or what about that? Or why, why is it that you change when I'm here? And instead, I just went about my business, kept doing what I was doing. So again, I'm just trying to be vulnerable, be raw. I get it. The opinions of man, we hold them in too high of esteem. And yet Jesus told us, those who do the will of my father are my mother and brother and sisters. He elevated the standard of the opinions of who we should care about. First and primarily his, but second, here I am needing to repent in front of you guys for not being willing to share the gospel or, or plant a seed. Hmm. In Luke 12, Jesus prophesies and gives us hope in this statement. Do you think that I came to provide peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five members in a household will be divided. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Oftentimes, the fear of man's opinions manifests at closest to home. So when we're trying to evangelize and share the word with, with those who don't know him around us, take courage. Be bold. It's okay. Jesus said it was going to happen. We need to, be, we need to have boldness in this area because it gets personal real quick when we share the gospel in our workplace or with family members and, and friends. Number two is repentance. Any good sermon should mention this word at least once, so by my own standards, I'm doing okay. <laughs> repentance. You can live in engagement and still have things exposed. It's his goodness that leads men to repentance right? I, I say this as an encouragement, okay? Because I know I've been guilty of having something exposed and needing to repent and then realizing afterwards that the devil came in and, and stole my freedom because I got caught up in shame. I got caught up in condemnation and self-contempt because of the sin. But he died, Jesus died not just for the sin, but for the effects of it, the shame that came with it. So when we remove the sin, there's a vacuum. Right? And devil wants to heap on condemnation and shame where the Lord says, here's the fruit of my spirit. Here's relationship with me. Here's communion with me. We see it played out all the time in the natural. Anytime there's a vacuum, something's going to fill it. So we need to be sowing to the spirit and not to the flesh. Repentance is a lifestyle. God is continually digging things up in us. And it's him trying to draw us near, engaging us by exposing sin. Is anyone else convicted last week by worst case scenarios? And Taylor talked about that. That was a huge area in my life. I was always planning, scheming, thinking about how can I be prepared for the worst case scenario. And praise God that he delivered me from that. The fear of being without, the fear of not having. That, hey, I'm a good father. 
I got this. You don't need to worry about this. How are you going to add a single cubit to your lifespan by worrying about this? Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, but he who has clean hands and a pure heart. As we get closer to the top of the hill, the less we can bring with us, the steeper the ascent. And so how do we purify our hearts? How do we cleanse our hands? Repentance. Thirdly, make the flesh willing. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Three verses later in 5.19, I just I stated the fruit earlier, love, joy, peace. Right? Those things are a choice. You have to put on those things. And eventually it becomes second hand, it becomes second nature. But when we're faced with opportunities and situations and circumstances where we get to make a decision, arguing with our wife, am I going to continue to do this to prove a point to be right? Or am I going to value relationship with him and the children and the Lord and put on the fruit and say, we'll find another time to talk about this. Right? My Bible says be angry and sin not. So there's also another principle first the natural then the spiritual so in order to make the flesh willing we need to we need to find a discipline if you've already messed up on your new year's resolutions make a new commitment today it doesn't have to be january 1 to to start over okay find a discipline if you're going to say i'm going to read a devotional every morning i'm going to wake up and spend my first 15 minutes with the lord before i do anything else i'm going to make sure that i pray before i go to bed at night what, fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you, it takes 30 days to make a habit. For good or for bad, 30 days, thereabout, is what research shows. So my encouragement is grit it out. Some days you're not going to feel like doing it, but there is grace there. His grace is sufficient for one more day. When we feed the flesh, it, tend, it ends our encountering and or engaging experience, and we feel like we need to start over again. Don't feed the flesh. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Just real quickly. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Lastly, number four. Surround yourself with believers. Need to be in community. The Lord is our strength, and he can certainly will sustain us, even when we may feel like we're alone. But that's not an excuse to abandon community either. You know how the Lord oftentimes protects us? Through others. And his divine wisdom, he has chosen humanity, humans, me and you, as his primary vessel for expanding the kingdom on earth and keeping the kingdom on earth. So in Hebrews, we're given the commandment, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. We'll get some volunteers. What's community do for you? Holds fast. Marshall, come on up here. Stand next to me, shoulder to shoulder. All right, maybe not that close. <laughs> in case I get a chicken wing here. All right. He's in the trenches with me. 
We're in the foxhole together. He ain't going anywhere. Austin, get up here. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Leading a mission trip. I want to live a life that's on mission. I lived in the mission field for seven years. Jill, come on up here. Stay, stay together. Stay accountable. Right? This is some of the leadership team. And there's others here that we can be accountable to. All right? Living a life before one another and bearing each other's burdens. Everett, come on up. Stand next to Marshall. <laughs> Encouraging one another. Everett encourages me all the time, almost every time I see him. It can be something small. It doesn't have to be fancy. Who can get to my backside right now? Who do you got to go through? All right? <laughs> you can go through them. That's right. There's a reason why I put him right here, all right? And there's others in this house, all right, that are a, a, a gift to me, and I'm a gift to them. We need, we need each other. Jeff Jackson, get up here. If I need... Advice about, if I need advice about finances, I don't need to go and study and do all the courses and whatnot. Here's a financial advisor right here, and one right here in Austin, all right? There's a, bu there's a bunch of business owners out here. If I want to start a business, I should probably talk to someone who's been doing it for a while, okay? If I need help around the house, something needs fixed. I know a lot of you guys are, are handy, but I'm just going to call it Brian Myers because he's helped me out. Where's Brian? Get on, get on up here, Brian. <laughs> Come on up here, Brian. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, this is community. This is where the Lord has placed us. All right, we need each other. I, I named some natural gifts, but how can I be blessed by the spiritual gifts that are up here if I'm not in community with them? How can Marshall, who has a prophetic anointing all over his life prophesied to me if I'm not here? Yeah. How can I be encouraged or exhorted by Everett if I'm not here? You guys can be seated, but Austin Marshall, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Everyone else, you can go back to your seat. You good? So, shoulder to shoulder, real quick. Who, who can get to my backside, right? <laughs> Don't do stuff that is going to create space between you and your community. Don't do stuff that's going to create space between you and your community. Hey, I'm, this, this girl at work came up to me, and she said she gave me a compliment. And I, I don't know, it just something bubbled up in my heart, and I didn't tell Austin about it. Now all of a sudden, take a step away. All right? He's my accountability partner, and I rejected him. All right? As opposed to... He loves me, he loves Brittany, he loves our marriage, and he can speak life into that, all right? Hey, we're really struggling right now. The finances are tight, and I, if I'm going to lone wolf it. I'm going I'm to go alone. Keep, keep going that way. Keep going that way. All right. Who can get to my backside now? It's a little bit easier, right? You guys can be seen. Hmm. That's right. Marshall's always got my back. <laughs> Go back before the fall, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God himself states that it's not good for man to be alone. Men, we learned about that 
in, on Tuesday's discipleship class, and I thought that was such a profound statement in that context. And it's a profound statement in this context as well. It's not good for man or woman to be alone. And yet here we are, we think it's a good idea to, to lone wolf it. We're not called to be wolves, we're called to be sheep. All right? Sheep travel in herds. The good shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one. Not because the one is flourishing, but because he's out there, he's herding. He needs help. On its face, he may seem doing, like he's doing okay. The wisdom of the world might say he's, he's got the whole thing, American dream, all of it. But spiritually, he could be really struggling. Jesus goes and gets him too. So if you all just stand with me. What qualifies us to have an encounter with God? What qualified the woman at the well in John chapter 4 to have an encounter with her, with him? She was a Samaritan. Samaritans have no dealings with Jews. They are categorically rejected by them. She was an adulteress. She had five husbands. The implication from the text is that she cheated on at least one of them. And yet, she still had a divine appointment at that well with the Lord Jesus. Her background, her circumstances would have said that she should have been rejected. That's why she was alone. The women went in the morning in the cool of the day. She went in the middle of the day, the heat of the day, because everyone had shunned her and rejected her because she was an adulterer. Not Jesus. So if you're here today and you've never had an encounter with God, I just want to invite you forward. Jesus died for your sins. And if you believe that, if you believe that He that God raised him from the dead three days later, and you confess that He is Lord, that you will be saved. Not only will you be saved, but you have an opportunity to have an encounter with the Lord that launches you into constant relationship with Him. You have a place at the dinner table, and it's not just a one-off invitation. It's every meal. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day of the week, and He's not seated at the head and you're all the way down over there at the kitty table. No, you're, you're seated right next to him. And he's serving out double portions. So if that's you, I invite you to, call, to come forward. I imagine there will be a little bit larger draw for this call. I feel the presence of the Lord. If you're here and you're feeling dry, been a while since you've had an encounter. It's been a while since you've heard his voice. 
you're tired of the cycle of going from encounter to encounter and you want to live a life of engagement with God, this is your opportunity. Some of you may have tasted it this morning. It might still be salivating in your, in your throat and in your mouth. And the Lord wants you to swallow it whole. Say, I'm giving you double portions too. My love, my joy, my spirit, it is available to you today and every day. You don't have to wait until next Sunday for another altar call. So if that's you, please come forward.